You're looking for something different this year, the difference. You're looking for 2014 to be greater than 2013. You're looking for a difference, something. 2014. 2014. 2014. 2014. 2014. Somebody help me say 2014. You must not have said it loud enough. Try again. Still not working. Uh, maybe you need to get Russ stand up and spin around three times and then say it. See, because nothing's changing. We've said 2014 and nothing's changing. It's not a magic number, is it? You don't just say it and it happens. All those people talking about all the stuff this year on the video just a minute ago, they can say it all they want to, but that doesn't change anything. You can't just say it and it's going to happen. Now, this is a sermon series, okay? I'm not going to tell you everything you need to hear today. Sometimes I know you think I do in sermons. I'm trying to tell you everything I, I, you need to hear, but this is, this is a series. So st stick with me. I mean, one of the big things I want to tell you, I want to tell you how God is going to be the thing that really makes the difference this year. But it begins right here with you and me. He's going to do it, but he can't do it until we make the decision to do some things differently in 2014. You know that, that old uh, kind of folksy definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That's insanity, right? You do the same thing, and then you go over here and do the same thing. And say, so I wonder why this happened. You know, you know, if you do the same thing in 2014 that you did in 2013, of course, the world's a little different. Things around you are a little different. But you pretty much are going to have the exact same result. Something needs to change. Something, something's got it. And if you want 2014 to be greater than 2013, then those things you're doing differently, you need to do greater than doesn't necessarily mean more than, bigger than, but it means you need to do it deeper or, or with, with more passion or whatever. But it needs to be greater. I mean, if, and this is where it begins. It begins right here. It doesn't end here, okay? It begins here. we got to get this right. So let's get this right today. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, for all the blessings of 2013. God, I can look back and I can count so many things. And God, there's probably 10 times more that I didn't even notice the blessings that you gave to me. 10 times more. I just thank you for them. And God, I also thank you for the blessings of 2014. I don't know what they all are, God, but your word says your mercies are new every morning. Every day that we wake up in 2014, there are going to be new mercies. There's going to be a new, new power, strength, help, um, uh, more direction, uh, everything we need. God, and I thank you for that. That you've already dreamed every single day of 2014 for us. And God, I thank you for it because I want it. I want every bit of it. I want every promise, every blessing, every good thing you want to do for me. I want it all. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay. So something's got to change. Okay, well, first, here, here's, here's really this message. I, I could have titled it Save and Delete because that's a lot of this message. Okay, Save and Delete. We need to learn how to save and delete. Now, I know you probably know how to do that in your computer, right? You're typing uh, a document and you got to decide, am I going to save this? Am I going to need it later? Save it. Or I don't need it. I just delete it. Or like you get an email from somebody and... You know, you save this one, you put it in a different, you know, folder, whatever. Or sometimes you get one, you say, 
I don't ever want to read that again. And you don't just move it to the trash bin. I mean, you delete it forever. Or maybe you even go in and you set up a, set up a rule, you know, in, in your email server that says, if I get another email from this person, I want it immediately deleted forever. I don't ever want to read this or that, you know. And so we kind of understand how to do it with our computer. But we struggle with that in our life. And sometimes we don't know, like, like in our relationships, we need a little better understanding of which relationships need to be deleted and which ones need to be saved and nurtured and nourished and built on. Or in our activities, things we spend our time, our money, our efforts, our talents on. In 2014, if we want it to be different, greater, then we need to understand the ones that we need to delete to make room for the ones that we need to save. I mean, don't you have to do that on your computer? I mean, I have to delete things because my computer fills up. I have to delete things to make room for the important things. That's what this is about this morning. And I'm not really a New Year's resolution kind of a guy. I think I did it once, you know. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's, like, it's like really hard, you know, to really plan for the whole year and plan for 10 years. You know, you do five-year and 10-year plans, but really put it down and Detail, I'm just not that kind of guy. I'm really more of a guy that, you know, every day I want to get with God and say, okay, God, for this day and for our future and all that. You know, it's like, I'm just not a resolution guy. You might be, that's great for you because also, I think maybe it was for the psalmist. Psalm 101 looks like New Year's resolutions to me. We don't know what year it was written. We obviously don't know that. So we don't know when it was written, what part of the year, but it looks to me like it's written around the Jewish New Year because it looks like he's making his New Year's resolutions. Read it with me. It's only eight verses. Read the whole chapter right there. I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. Almost like he'd say, okay, New Year's resolution. Number one, I will sing of your love and justice, O Lord. I will praise you with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? Okay, what's that stuck in there for? I mean, that, it's like I'm making my New Year's resolution, and all of a sudden it's like, when are you going to come help me, God? I, you know, that, that, that sounds like us, doesn't it? Impatience. You know, I've made three resolutions. Now, God, when are you going to show up and help me, right? I, I didn't understand what this meant. You know, and I thought, okay, well, I'll just get back to it a little later. And so I came back to it later in the week, you know, and I still just get, why is this stuck there like that? And so I went and looked up, you know, a commentary, you know, and just get somebody else's opinion on it. And I love what they said. I can't remember the guy's name. I'd give him credit for it in all three services if I could remember which commentary I, I picked up. And, and, and he, said, he said this. He said, he said it, you know, it's like he's realizing, I'm going to need God's help to do this. So God, show up. Sounds like he's making res New Year's resolutions. Because, I mean, wouldn't you say this kind of thing? You'd say, okay, I'm going to do this, this, this. Oh, and God... You know, I'm only good by myself for about four or five weeks. That's as far as I can hold these things. you got to show up and help me. If you're not here to help me by Groundhog Day, I'll probably lose every single one of these, you know? And it's, it's kind of like he's saying, God, you got to show up and help me in this because I can't do it by myself. Amen. And I, I need more than that. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. It's very needed today. That's a good one for today. I refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I'll reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. And that word serve there is kind of like also means minister to me. So like when I'm looking for people to pour into me and people to connect with, I will only allow those who are above reproach to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house. And liars will not stay in my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. And that 
It was my New Year's resolution, the psalmist said. Okay, he didn't say that, but it sounds like he's making New Year's resolutions. I mean, he's listing things that need to be deleted from his life, and he's listing things that I need to save and things that I need to build on and do a better job of. And so he's listing those, save and delete, save and delete. You and I, we need to learn what we need to save and to delete. Okay, now, there's a lot of things I could share and I'm, I'm going to spend a little time on this first one and try to get through, try to get through several others real quick. But the first one is this, something you, you know, you're encouraged to do. You know, if you have a computer, you're encouraged to do by, by uh, computer gurus is clear your cash. Okay. That doesn't mean give away all the money in your pocket. Clear, you know, for those of you who aren't, it, it means the same thing as delete your temporary files. You know what temporary files are? And, and, and you know, when I started to type this out, it's like, Oh, that's awesome. You know, we, we, we pastors and preachers, we're kind of weird. We just see God in everything. And I'm sorry if you don't. But I mean, it's, I started typing this out. You know what temporary files are? They are, okay, put two and two together here. They are little pieces of yesterday that are no longer relevant, but are getting in the way of you making progress, slowing you down. That's what, that's what a temporary file in your computer is. It's little pieces of yesterday that are just slowing down progress. And that, that we've all got those in our lives. Little pieces of yesterday, no longer relevant. I don't need them anymore, but they're still just they're on my mind or in my heart and they're slowing me down. And there's a bunch of those, but there's two main folders that you need to delete, okay? That God wants me to share with you right now, okay? Two main folders you need to delete. There's a lot of other things. We can't talk about all of them today, but we're going to talk about these two folders that you need to delete, okay? And the first one is those you don't forgive. We've all got a folder like that, you know, in our, in our hard drive in here, you know? Those you don't forgive. You need to delete this folder. I didn't say files. You know, that person's file, that person's... No, delete the whole folder. I mean, that's what we want to do. We want to I say, okay, I'll forgive all those people that hurt me in 2013, but I'm going to hang on to this folder in case somebody hurts me tomorrow and I got some place to stick it. You know, I got some place to hold in... The, no, no, you need to get rid of the folder. You need to get rid of the place in you that holds in hurts. You need to get rid of the place that holds in unforgiveness. And let me give you an example from Scripture. Jezebel. Old Testament, okay? Jezebel. Now, if you've been around church long enough, you've heard the name Jezebel, but you probably think it's something to do about makeup and jewelry and stuff like that. No, that's not it, okay? This was an evil, evil woman. Let me tell you about her real quick, okay? Uh, she married the king of Israel, who was named Ahab. She immediately started working on him to get rid of, get rid of all of anything he has to do with Israel's God. They call him Jehovah. He has a lot of names. They called him Jehovah, you know, do everything they could to get, do everything she could to get him to get rid of Jehovah and to start worshiping idols, specifically Baal and Asherah. Those were her two favorites, okay? And so she was working on him to do this, and he did. And, and, and it, was, it was so bad, uh, her influence on him was so bad that Scripture says he was the worst there ever was. What's really interesting is 1 Kings chapter 16. If you back up a few verses, it's talking about his dad, and it says he was the worst king there ever was. And now a few verses down, it talks about him and says he's the worst. He's even worse than his dad. It's just getting worse and worse. And in chapter 21, verse 25, it says Jezebel is a big reason that he was that way. I mean, you need to read the story about Naboth, uh, you know, about the guy right next door to her. You need, you need to read these stories. Uh, I, I would encourage you, First, First Kings chapter 19, just start there and read this story about this evil, evil woman. And, and, God, and, and God judged her because of that. He, he, put, he put a judgment on her. This is not going to happen to you if you don't straighten yourselves out. 
yourself out. And, and so the next thing we find out about her, she begins, because she hates God, she begins to kill all of the prophets of God. She commands that they all be killed. So they're, they're being executed just out in the street anywhere. Any of the prophets of God, they're being killed. And many of them are having to run and hide. Now, Elijah, he is, he's kind of the main guy. He's the big, big prophet guy. And he says, uh, okay, here's what I want to do. We're going to have a meeting. Send everybody to Mount Carmel. All of the prophets of Baal and Asherah, send them to Mount Carmel. Me and God will show up. And let me tell you, God showed up. Okay, that's, that's really the thing you need to read out of this whole story. You need to read that. I don't have time to tell you about it. But I don't mean God showed up like we sometimes say, oh, God showed up. He was really good at service. No, I mean he showed up. Thunder, lightning, fire falling down from heaven onto the earth, that kind of God showed up. And when he did, all of Israel, they were like, oh my goodness, we've been following after Baal and Asherah and, and Jehovah. He is the real God. And, and they repented. And Elijah said, okay, now we need, we need to get rid of these guys that have been leading and have been killing all of the, of the prophets of God. And so they rose up and they killed the prophets of Baal. They killed the false prophets and those that were killing the, uh, the prophets of God. And it made Jezebel even more angry. She became even more vile. She became working even harder, and she swore to Elijah. You got 24 hours left on this earth, boy, now. She said it a different way up here. She said, if I don't make your life as the life of one of those that you just killed, by this time tomorrow, may the gods do to me. And she didn't get to do it because God began to send Elijah around. He started anointing the next leaders. He anointed the next uh, king of Israel, the next king of Judah, and he even anointed his own uh, successor. And so that's what he's doing, and he's, he's getting them ready. Now, now, one that he anoints, the one that's going to replace uh, Jezebel's husband Ahab, is named Jehu. Now, Jehu, he's coming back from a battle, and he comes into Jezreel, where the palace is, and as he, as, as he comes to the palace, Jezebel has heard he's on his way. I mean, and I think that's important. Jezebel has heard that Jehu is on his way, but instead of getting ready to repent and say, look, I've been wrong, please pray to God for me, she paints up her face and she fixes up her hair. And that's where you get all this stuff about Jezebel being, you know, the makeup and jewelry lady and all that. She, she does all this. And when he drives up, she sticks her head out the window. He looks up and sees her and he says, is there anybody in the palace who still believes in Jehovah? And a couple of servants stick their head out to say, we do. And he said, throw her down to her death. They take her and they throw the queen out the window down to her death and, and, and the prophecy of God against her because she did not repent. Because she did not forgive, because she did not change her mind, because she harbored such hate against Elijah and against God, began to be fulfilled. So you know what Jehu did? Well, he'd been in battle, and he was tired and hungry, so he went inside and ate. That's what he did. He went, he went inside, and he had a, had a meal. And as he's sitting there, he, he begins to think, no, wait a minute. This is the daughter of a king. This is a queen. She needs to be buried properly. So he told a couple of servants, he said, hey, go outside, get the body. Let's bury it like it's supposed to be buried but the word of God says when they got out there, all that was left was a skull and her feet and her palms because she had been eaten by the stray dogs, which was the prophecy that God spoke over. If you don't repent, ask for forgiveness, and give forgiveness, this is what's going to happen to you. And can I tell you, that's what unforgiveness does. It devours you. It eats you alive. It will destroy you. It will take you down. You've probably heard the saying that you know, harboring unforgiveness and bitterness is like eating poison and waiting for the other person to die. That's what unforgiveness will do. And if someone has wronged you, first thing you got to do is you got to delete that folder. 
Because your own forgiveness starts there. Remember what Jesus prayed when he's teaching us how to pray? And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. My own forgiveness starts in forgiving others. Delete the folder before it destroys you. Okay, that's the first folder. Anybody got an idea what the second folder might be? Your past. We can't forgive others, and we can't forgive ourselves, can we? Your past. You need to cut yourself some slack, okay? I mean, we're normally we're harder on ourselves than anybody else. Okay, bucket list. Anybody, anybody make, make a bucket list? I'd like to see it if anybody's ever made one. Not right now, but later, okay? Uh, I'm busy right at the present moment, okay? Bucket list. I've never made a bucket list because when I look at bucket lists, I said, man, those are some big old huge... I don't know. And I see these bucket list people. You know, I've seen them, you know, and uh, like a Google and looking for one, you know, that we could use on this, on this slide. You know, I th- when do people have time to do all this stuff? You know, not, not, not to mention the money to do it. You know, I, so I'm not a big bucket list guy, but look, look at this one. I know the fifth or sixth thing there says, buy a Porsche. <laughs> if I were making out this bucket list, you know what it'd say? Have someone give me a Porsche. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, because... Imagine the changes of life that I would have to make, you know, to, to afford a Porsche. You know, David and I would have to move in a lot smaller house. We'd have to go on welfare for two or three years to save up the money to buy a Porsche. I mean, everything has to change. Here, here, here's, here's what I'm saying. It's okay. A lot of times we have dreams. And, 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 and we, we say, we're going to do this. And, but understand, life changes. Cut yourself some slack. Life changes. And it's okay that life changes, you know. You're going to get married one day, or you're already married. You're going to get married one day. Guess what? You know, life's going to change. You're going to have, oh, come on, somebody. You should have said amen. <laughs> you have kids, and life's going to change. One of my, one of my favorite little, little one-liners from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond was when, when uh, they're talking about their own vacation. Vacation's not going real well. And he says, let's just go take a nap. And she finally says, that sounds really good. And she said, because I've been wanting to take a nap ever since Allie was born. Life changes. And when it does, cut yourself some slack. We have dreams that sometimes, you know, because here's the thing. Some people are so, they're so bound by a promise they made to themselves, they can't live life. It's like, I got to figure out how to get here. I got to figure out how to do this. This is what I know. I, I promised myself I would do this. Cut yourself some slack. You know, I used to tell my kids when, when they were uh, entering into high school, I told them this all through high school. You, you have every open door in the world, and you can do anything you want to do. Start getting bad grades, though, a bunch of doors close. You know, colleges close their doors to you. Make wrong decisions, other doors close. And so you, you do some bad things and doors close, but sometimes you close doors on purpose. I mean, you know, because you get out of high school, you go to a college, and you start a, a particular course of study, you're closing some other doors because you're figuring out what the, you know, maybe not the door, but you're kind of, so it's okay to close some doors. You've closed some doors in 2013. Embrace it. Say, that's okay. And cut yourself some slack. Get rid of your bucket list if you need to. Scratch some things out. What do you want? But forgive yourself if you were a little over-exuberant in making your bucket list. But the thing even more serious than that is the sin. I mean, that's the thing that really hinders us, the sin that we can't get over, right? You know what God says about it? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Didn't say there's a little bit of condemnation. 
He didn't say there is no large amount of condemnation. He said, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ our Lord. Because why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Can I ask you a question? If you can't forgive yourself because of some great sin in the past or the way you've lived your life, can I ask you a question? If God don't remember it, why are you still remembering it? If God's put it under the blood, I mean, if you're a Christian, it is under the blood. Oh, and I know, you know, we're not Catholic, but we still got our own penance that we kind of do in our evangelical churches a lot of times. It's we got we to gotta kind of outlive our bad. You know, we got to keep doing good and kind of keep earning our, 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 our salvation. We got to keep doing can I Can I give you some freedom here in this for just a moment? Can I tell you today that if you're a child of God, and your sins are forgiven, it is not because you prayed the most eloquent sinner's prayer that has ever been prayed. It is because the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed that washed away every single one of your sins. It is his power. It is his power. And because of that, there is therefore now no condemnation. So he's forgotten about it. You need to also. You need to forget about it and let God set you free. I've got, another, I've got a long list of things. I started to say this, just make a sermon out of this because... But I thought, I can't get back to this. I got too much to preach in January. I already got my uh, February and March sermons series working. I said, I, just, I, gotta, I gotta throw these at you as quick as I can, okay? A lot of other items on the list. You know, when you talk about what you need to clean up and fix, you know, for the new year. You know, if you hadn't done a lot of these things on your computer, you need to do that. It's a great time for us to remember this too. You need to defrag. Y'all know what defrag means? You defrag your computer? Yeah. Anybody need to defrag their life today? Computers get fragmented. Their file, files get fragmented. They get separated from one another. When, you're, when your computer gets more and more and more full, files get separated or, or things get here and there. And so the computer's having to go over here and get something, over here and get something instead of everything being together. And so it's fragmented. And so when you defrag, it's kind of like, you know, brings all these things together and sets them in sets so that things work and function a whole lot better. Does that sound like anybody's life? Anybody need to defrag? This is an awesome time to defrag. The first of the year is always a great time for me to defrag. You know, because I, I love the fact that we almost shut down life for two weeks, you know, around Christmas. You know, you know nobody wants to do anything except really Christmas. I mean, we'll go and we'll, we're going to be at church and that. But, I mean, we really don't get a whole lot of accomplished, you know. And it's just a great time to kind of defrag, you know. Uh, you, you can't defrag your computer while you're doing a whole lot of other stuff. You can't defrag your life while you're doing a whole lot of other stuff. That's why this is an awesome time to defrag. Stop. Take some time. Breathe in. Say, yeah, that is it. Thank you, Jamie. Yes, that is a reminder of the miracle that is the life that God has put inside of me. Thank God for it. Take some time to think. i, I got to hurry. I can't preach all these. Uh, update your antivirus and spyware. It's a good thing to do. You know, they say, you know, if you hadn't done that in a while, it's a good reminder. This is the time to do that. You know, the best spiritual antivirus software are the spiritual disciplines of prayer. Reading your Bible. Throw in some fasting with your prayers and fellowship fellowship word of god says you need to hang around with other christian people you need to fellowship those spiritual disciplines you know what they are as you're as you're praying and as you're listening to god and communing with and as, as as you're reading the word and planning it down in your heart and in your head then when all this stuff comes against you oh and spending time with your with your christian friends and fellowshipping when all this stuff from the world comes against you and hits you in the face 
That's why, why the spiritual discipline is such great antivirus solvers because when all those things begin hitting you, those words that you've been reading in the Word of God, they start coming back to your mind and say, wait, 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 wait a minute, that's not right. That, that, no, that's not right. Uh, and I am victorious. There is therefore now no condemnation. All that stuff. It's, it's great antivirus software. You need to upgrade your software, your antivirus software. Meaning that you want 2014 to be different? Upgrade your spiritual disciplines. Be more consistent in your prayer and your Bible reading. And the, this is either good, or it's like a, this is either good amen or oh me, but it's, it, it's one or the other. But blow out your dust. I did that this week. Got me a can of air. Y'all know what a can of air is? Anybody got one at home? I, I got a can of air, and I got my computer out because I was having some problems with my keyboard, and I started blowing out. Man, you won't believe all the lint that I found underneath all those little keys and things. You know, started blowing and clearing off the desk. You have assets. You have talents inside of you that you've not used so long. You need to blow off the dust. God has put those things inside of you. He's given you a gift. He's given you a calling, and you need to use those for God. Blow the dust off. If you didn't use them in 2013, here's your opportunity. Blow the dust off. Change your passwords. Here's a question every one of you needs to ask. Who or what has access to my life that does not need access to my life? We need to change some passwords, don't we? There's some people that destroy us every time they open their mouth. Why in the world do we allow them to have access there are people that destroy us every time they say, hey, let's go. You know the next, next few words is not going to be a good thing. Why in the world do we allow people like that to have access? Sounds like something needs to be deleted. Change your passwords. And uh, uh, update your drivers. You know what your drivers are? Drivers are the things, the little pieces of, so of software, little bits of information that teach all the parts of the computer to speak to one another. Like if you plug a printer into your computer and you don't have the latest uh, uh, driver installed, it may still print, but it won't print exactly like you wanted it to because it doesn't have it. So there's, it's like there's confusion that is there, and it's like the parts aren't really fitting and, and matching and, and working together. And so you need to update your drivers so everything can. Okay, same thing with your life. You know, because you're a spiritual being, you're a physical being, you've got dreams, you've got plans, you've got things you have to get done every day. And sometimes it's like life is not talking to each other, right? It's like you're being pulled in a thousand different directions, and this piece of my life is not functioning with this piece of my life. You know what you need to update your spiritual driver? Because it's the main one. Update your spiritual connection with God. Upgrade it, update it. And when you update that, you get your spiritual drive. You get your spiritual passion. You get your spiritual drive right with, with God. Everything else falls right in line. And there's peace again. There's, there's confusion just goes out the door. There's understanding. It begins to work. It begins to fit. It begins to make sense all over again. And, and delete your inbox. I mean, let me just hurry here. It's a lot like the, the, the other thing I was saying about delete those folders. But it, sometimes you get, you get messages from people, even sometimes good messages. And I, there was a time that I was paralyzed by something that somebody told me that was a, really a good thing they told me. But I was paralyzed because I was like, oh, no, this is going to happen, and it ain't happened yet. And I was paralyzed waiting for that thing to happen. You know, delete your inbox. Occasionally, you need to say, okay, that hadn't happened. Maybe that was just for somebody, but whatever. Delete your inbox of the stuff that is no longer relevant and empower down. Turn off Candy Crush. Turn off Facebook. Your family can't even talk to you. How in the world do you think God is going to talk to you? You don't even, you don't even give, him a give God a moment. 
I mean, you know, you sit still for two or three minutes and say, okay, well, I'm going to play whatever your game is, right? I mean, we got, we got to be doing something all the time. And God doesn't even have a moment to speak to us. You know, I, I say a lot of times is that on your way to work, turn the, turn the radio off. I mean, you know, just, just turn the radio. If you, especially if you're out alone, turn the radio off. And it's like, God, you're here right beside me. Let's talk. Share some stuff with me, God. That, you know, let me tell you, uh, talk radio, if you listen to talk radio, it's just like soap operas. You can miss a day, it don't matter, they're going to be talking about the same stuff tomorrow, okay? It doesn't matter, they're going to be talking about it again and again and again. You can catch up, all right? Turn it off. Power down. Give God a moment to share something with you because that's really the key here. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about deleting stuff to make room for God to speak and do something awesome in your life. We've been talking about deleting. Let's talk a little bit about saving. But this is really about saving by deleting. Reboot. It's time to, time to reboot. I mean, if you always sleep or hibernate your computer, you never reboot. You know, you're getting some stuff and, and some, kind of some leftover stuff that's just kind of sticking out there. And, and sometimes you just need to reboot. Turn the power off. Sometimes you need to turn the power off, unplug it. If it's a laptop, take the battery out completely and then start all over. What, it, what that does is it frees up resources so to restore functionality. Some things aren't working right. If you ever called tech support or you, you got a buddy or something, they'll say, just power it off back on and see what happens. It, it, it's normally the very first thing that you do. Power off. Shut some things down. Give God a minute. You've got so much happening in your life. God doesn't have a minute. You're going to get a chance to practice that in just a few moments. When we come down front, the way we always close with a last prayer and a last song, you'll have some time to just stand with him. Power off for a moment. And let him begin to do a work in you in 2014, right here, right now. Let it begin. Can I tell you a little bit of what he wants to do? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. For the Lord is that spirit. What spirit? You have to back up the, the verses right before that and we're, see what he's talking about, what, what spirit he's talking about. And the spirit he's talking about is the spirit that is at work in you. There's a, there's a spirit, the spirit of God, that is working on you. If you're a child of God, if you've asked him to forgive you of your sins, he's working on you. And he's bringing life. He's bringing life and he's pouring life into you. That's what this spirit is doing. And he gets down to verse 17 and he says, For the Lord is that spirit. And wherever that spirit is, there is liberty. There's freedom. What are we talking about? We're talking about deleting some stuff. Getting rid of some junk. So there can be freedom again. He wants to do this. He wants to make your life make sense. He wants to be the difference in 20. He can make the difference in 2014. But we're going to have to acknowledge and recognize and see what God wants to do. He is that spirit that brings freedom everywhere he goes. He pours life into us. He is working on us. He is fixing us. He is maintaining his work on us. There's a prophecy written about Jesus hundreds of years before he was born that you know, he came there, God became man, born, grew up. One day he walks into the temple. They hand him a scroll. It's Isaiah. He rolls it out to chapter 61. The prophecy that was written about him. This is what God wants to do in you. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is a prophecy about Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The poor, if you're poor, he's got good news for you. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. If you are brokenhearted, 
He's got healing for you. Uh, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. If you've wandered around hopeless, lost, in darkness, feeling bound, he's got freedom for you. He wants to set you free. That's what he wants to do in you. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. How many of you want 2014 to be a year of favor? That God is smiling on you. And God is saying, you know, you know, when you've got favor, what do you hear? You don't hear no, you hear yes, yes, yeah. I mean, okay, that's what it means to have favor. Okay, so now that you understand, how many of you want 2014 to be a year of favor with God? That he's saying yes, 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 yes. The, and I love how he says this here. The year of his favor and the day of vengeance. That when we, have, you know, when we do something bad and we kind of have to pay for it, it's a day. But when he's got favor, when he's happy, it's a year. I love that. That's the way God is. It's like, yeah, there's, there's some judgment, but there's a whole lot more favor than there is judgment. He wants to give, he wants to give you a year of favor uh, to comfort all the, every, anyone who is mourning. He wants to comfort you, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. If you refuse to listen to me today and you har- hang on and harbor that unforgiveness and, and then finally you crash and burn, you know, pastor told me this was going to fry my motherboard and you know, now your, your whole life is crashing and, and it's like, oh, it's just ashes. Look, he wants to give you a crown of beauty for the ashes that are in your life. He wants to give you the oil of joy instead of mourning, if you're mourning anything that is not just somebody that's died, but anything that you're mourning, a loss of anything in your life, he wants to give you the oil of joy for that and a garment of praise for a spirit. If you, if you despair, and listen, there are going to be days that you have despair enter your life in 2014. But it says even those days, he will wrap you up with a garment of praise and just cover over that despair. This is what God wants to do. The beginning of what God wants to do. Enjoy it. We're just about to come to the front. Take a, take a moment. We're, just going to, we're powering down. Nothing else. You can, you can put your phones down. Don't tweet anything, you know, the rest of the service. And just power down. Take some time. Because a reboot and a new year, they're, they're, they're kind of similar. Because of the chance, the opportunity of a new beginning. Because God is a God of new beginnings. Think about how he created the earth. It's round so that it spins, so that the sun keeps coming up every day. It goes down and it comes up. Look what God does. New beginnings. He tilted it on an axis. So as it goes around the sun, there are seasons. Spring, summer, fall, and winter. Why? To give us new beginnings. He's a God of new beginnings. That's what we have this morning, a new beginning. 2014 is a new beginning. Let's reboot today. Let's take time to reboot. Just power down. Let God begin to restore functionality. Let's see him do awesome things in 2014. Would you stand and come to the front and join us? If you're a first-time attender.